science has never found a genuine transitional form that is one kind of animal crossing over into another kind, either living or in the fossil record. And there's supposed to be billions of them. Now, what I'm about to show you does not exist. These were actually created by our graphic artists, but I want you to keep your, out, your eye out for this because this is what evolutionists have been searching for for hundreds of years. All right, and if you find one of these, you could become rich and famous. So here's some transitional forms. This is called the crocodile. Oh Can you see this? God, I'm not. Hey everyone ever, and welcome to 20th Century Popcast, the show where we try to understand the present by living in the past. My name is Tim Blevins. And I am Bob Canning. And Bob, let me ask you right off the top of the show that we're both all set and ready to uh, participate in. What yes. would you do? Yes? Yes. What would yes. you do? Yes? Are you in agreement with me asking this? I, I am in agreement that we are ready to go. Yeah, because yeses aren't typed into the paragraph I was about to read as if I was making it up. But what would you do if I told you, Bob Canning, that today, today on this episode, instead of our original prearranged and, and agreed upon topic we discussed uh, discussing, we were instead going to be talking about a watershed moment for 90s comic book, fantasy, and sci-fi fandom. A TV program that hit the airwaves at a time when we didn't have a show like that and when we needed exactly um, exactly the show like that, and which was a show that went on to inspire an entire generation of writers, directors, and pop culture makers. What if I said you and I were going to talk about a show that in 1997 you loved and about a year and a half later got me to love, well, at least like, if we're being honest. But yeah, how excited would you be to talk about that particular television program? I think if we were going to be talking about that program and my history with it, I think I'd enjoy that conversation. Right, because you probably enjoy that program? I do. Well, then you're, you must be excited because today on this show, on this podcast, we are going to be talking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the TV adaption of the initial cinematic outing by writer and eventual director Joss Whedon. Oh, that guy. Joss Whedon, the quintessential quandary made obvious Joss Whedon. This is a bad setup because obviously I'm trying to work into what we are talking about. Um, and what I'm talking about is that it's been a rough couple weeks, uh, I think, for Buffy fans, fans of the Buffy TV show. Um, and even <clears> rougher <throat> probably for those in Joss Whedon's immediate circle. But yeah, I, I, I think today on the show... One of the things we're going to be looking at is Joss Whedon, and, and, and we're going to be looking at him as this persona in the creative arts that, until a couple weeks ago, was quite often heralded as a key voice of feminism and, and female empowerment in the world of sci-fi and fantasy. And now, I mean, he's kind of this fallen icon. You're familiar with what's going on with him, right? You know the, the backstory yeah, we're talking about? I do. I do. I um, His... I believe they're still married. No, they're divorced. They're separated. He, he and his divorced? wife are divorced. Again, not okay. that any of this is our business. It just sets up right. the bigger story. They've been divorced. They've been separated, and the divorce was finalized. I want to say the divorce was finalized over a year ago, but I guess I could have researched that. That would have been the better route. Yeah, and and uh, that just goes to show too how how much I really am invested in this that I don't know <laughs> all these details. Um, but I know enough, and I think that's part of the, the issue here, is that you know enough about Joss Whedon and his persona and how you're calling him a feminist icon. Um, and then to know now that his now ex-wife uh, has put a letter out that people have read about his... Put an article uh, out, I think. It was in... Infidelity, not fair, but there was philandering, um, certain things he's said and done... That changes that image uh, entirely. I think so. I mean, it's 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 like a tragic fall <clears throat> in a way. And again, it's odd to be talking. We're talking about it in in, in, the, in the realms of, of this creative person who now has this ugly side, and it's going to impact, I think, how we view their work 
And I, before we discuss anything, I guess it's it's important to say that the real the people who are really impacted by this are obviously his family, this his ex wife, whose name I should know, and I'm I, I, you're right, I'm blanking on it, but obviously the people within the immediate impact of it because it's a personal life matter, and so I don't mean to be taking and casting a shadow over that by saying, "Oh, my pop culture is ruined," when in reality this this poor lady's trust was ruined and sense of self was ruined and sense of relationship was ruined. But the reality that this person did this is what we're going to talk about. Cause I, and I think we've both have experiences in the past. I mean, it's hard when a pop culture icon falls, when like the reality of their reality intrudes on, on, you know, the, the television or cinematic fantasy. And yeah, you know, I think Joss Whedon is an, is a chance to, to talk about that, but I, I think to understand that phenomena, to understand that idea of someone who is creatively impactive suddenly taking on this whole new light, I think we have to talk about the three ways I feel that a public persona of uh, the creative arts can fall from grace. Because I think there's three different ways a pop okay. culture person can kind of topple in our eyes. All right. Let's hear it. Well, I think we can discuss After it that too. drink. I, was that audible? That was very audible. Sorry. Very it sounds thirsty. like you're putting a cork back in a bottle. Putting a putting so. a, a cork in it is the same. And then the grenade doesn't, you can't drink the grenade. But yes, uh, pop culture, I, I think, and, and, and we'll talk about, I, these are mutual. I think we both share some connection to each of the examples I'm going to bring up um, and sort okay. of how... They were someone in our pop culture childhood that, that or something that we watched on TV. And then an aspect of these persons, when it alters, basically makes me say the same sentence I think it just said. Sorry, that was repetitious. But uh, so, yeah, three types or three ways um, creative type can fall from grace. And I think the first that may be the easiest to talk about as an example would be in the fashion of Kirk Cameron. Are you familiar with Kirk Cameron? I am familiar with uh, Kirk Cameron, our growing pains, cool guy, Kirk Cameron. Right. He was like a teen star. I understand he was on Tiger Beat and the magazine 16. I think I had an issue of Hot Dog that he appeared in. He knew how to wear a pair of shades. He knew how to pull them down slightly, but not all the way so he could see over them while he shrugged. He, he was considered the cool dude. I think he, on the, on the show Growing Pains, which was uh, the Alan Thicke, uh, sitcom. Have we talked about Growing Pains before? I think we talked about the theme song. We have. Song. We, we did. We talked about the theme song, but in talking about the theme song, we talked about the show uh, quite a bit. Um, so, yeah, we've talked about Mike, and I think we both uh, admired the, the character. He was about our age, maybe a little older when we were watching it. And I guess his fall from grace... Or the twisting of Kirk Cameron, and it happened. I was I became aware of it after the show went off the air. I didn't know this while the show was running, but Kirk Cameron had a sort of a uh, what do you call it when suddenly you're very attached to to like a uh, like a like a unicorn or, or like a like a centaur or, or some sort of fiction. He had a religious experience, I guess, or a religious <laughs> okay. awakening. What is it called? A born again? No, but like he he, uh, he found a higher power, I guess. Because Kirk Cameron became a crusader for yeah. Christian ways of life, Christian values, Christian beliefs, Christian creatism, creationism. I can't speak right now because something is putting a curse on my tongue. But um, he became no, he became this representative of his faith, of his religion, and he's welcome to it. I, that's that's I, I realize that's very judgmental of me, and I'm I'm not portraying a decent side but he did become sort of this bizarre preacher zealot um yeah he he he, he preaches and I, I i should again research would have really helped here but he i mean well let me let me step in uh, if you don't mind because do. you say you didn't you didn't uh, become aware of this <clears throat> until after the show mm-hmm. that is what and I, I think yeah i think i became more aware of it after the show but i got a sense of it during the show because I don't know if you remember this, but he had – there was a season where there was an actress on the show. Uh, this is late in the run of the series. He was much older. He was engaged on the show. His character was engaged. The playboy playmate, Julia McCullough. Yes. And 
I remember, and I might be remembering this wrong, but from my youth, she suddenly wasn't on the show anymore, and there was no explanation for that. And I, I don't remember if it happened at the end of one season, she was there, and then the next season she wasn't, and wasn't referenced. But I remember really liking that, that character, <clears throat> that actress. Uh, I'll admit, I had a little bit of a crush on her. I thought she was cute. I didn't know she was a Playboy bunny uh, at the time. Okay, that was the wrong way to describe her because she that's one of the things she did. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. She, in the context of what we're talking about, she was an actress on the show. And I, and I should have yes, stuck with that. I apologize. I, I apologize. I'm the one who for, made the comparison. You're, for using some shorthand no, no, to describe. You're aware of her resume. You're commenting on other things she's done. I was the jerk who played that up when we hadn't even talked about her <laughs> contribution to the 80s family epic that is growing pains but yes what actually yeah they were engaged to be married i think the season finale had a cliffhanger and i think that summer was when kirk cameron saw the light spoke to a bush or whatever happened and suddenly became this thriving in his own mind religious whatever so that when he came back to the show in the fall he made it very this is i found this out in retrospect I'm, i'm impressed that you noticed it at the time he came back a changed man and he made it very difficult for writers, for actors, for this, for Julie McCullough, if I'm pronouncing her name right. He came in this somehow changed man and he put down his iron fist and of hellfire and fury and just rewrote the show, changed the character of Mike Seaver, altered what he could do, made him less rebellious, found ways to work in more morals. And much as we have found out since, to the dis- dis- the discomfort and the the, the frustration of, of his fellow cast and crew members. And I, mm. I will be honest, those stories are fascinating. It was fascinating to hear Alan Thicke discuss it. It was fascinating to hear the E! True Hollywood story about it. It made Kirk Cameron this kind of humorous, laughable represent- representation you. of this to me and made the show, in retrospect, when I would go back to it, more interesting to watch. I say it to fall from grace because he was no longer a teen idol. He was a because of following growing pain. Yeah. I don't think his Hollywood career found and I think salvation. You, yeah, I think in this this uh, type of fall from grace, it's it's not necessarily a fall from grace um, for society as a whole, but for <laughs> cer- certain fans of the show. Like like I mean, there are people that that see that and respect that and honor that and want to hang out with Kirk Cameron and know more about him because of this. Mm-hmm. Whereas you and I are like, Oh, that's no, I, that's not something I think is a, a value to, to life. I mean, look what he's done to the, to this woman's career. But I still find that kind of that. It, what I guess what I'm saying is I was attached to growing pains and I still am. I still enjoy the show. It doesn't ruin my enjoyment of the show, if anything, it gives me another way to rewatch reruns of the show. I agree. I'm I'm interested to learn what the uh, the second type of fall from grace uh, might be. Well, I think the second one that I would and be who looking our example at, will be. Yeah. Well, it's another teen heartthrob. I think I I watched a lot of TV in the '80s sitcoms. I loved and one of my favorite sitcoms, and it was one that was in syndication and it played in the, in the afternoons. Was a show called Charles in Charge. Are you familiar with with, with Charles in Charge? I am, but not as much as most people. I never really got to see a lot of it. It would, like you're saying, I'd watch it um, in the afternoons, um, but not regularly. Oh, wasn't uh, wasn't a huge follower of the Charles and Charles. It was one of my favorite sitcoms of the late '80s and '90s. It was. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, it was about a single mother. Um, she was raising three kids, two daughters and a son, in, in a house I think in Chicago, but I really I don't know exactly where they were. Her father, their grandfather, I think lived with them as well, but she needed someone to look after the kids, a nanny, a babysitter, um, someone maybe to be in charge when, when, when she could not be, um, a boss, if you were to ask who one was. And so she hired this, I guess he was out of high school, maybe he was college age, I don't know if he was in college, but she hires Charles, this character Charles, mm-hmm. and he lives in their basement in, in an apartment they made, and he's helping to raise these kids. And he has kind of a whacked out friend named Buddy Lembeck, who is like his best friend and a schemer, and they get into the comical occurrences and you know a very broad easy to understand sitcom you know with a little life lesson here and there and with some you know just just stupid lady yeah. humor but scott Bayo, the chachi character you know portraying the charles character yeah i've seen i've seen more more of chachi than charles yeah. in my life were you a fan of the chachi yeah. character on happy days when i was younger 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as I grew, I became just as annoyed as I think the world at large. With the Chachi. But I, I, on Charles in Charge, I enjoyed him and I enjoyed Scott Bayo in that role. As I have found out in the past maybe two years, he is also um, a, a sort of a loudmouth Republican supporter of the tripe that we call Donald Trump. He's sort of yeah. a, a huge supporter, actually, a very vocal supporter, has spoken at rallies with tweets about him. And it, it's it's just one of those things where I find that unfortunate because I would look yeah. at Scott Baio and I would think, here's this sitcom actor, this childhood actor who managed to maintain something he directed, he acted, mm-hmm. whatever. And this now he's using a little platform to vocalize these disgusting views and supports of a disgustingly viewed individual that we can't support yeah um i i'll be honest with you in a way i kind of view these these two examples that you've given me um pretty similarly yeah yeah in that i don't know what their lives were like prior to this change but they suddenly have this belief system um that they're pushing on others they're very public about it they're affecting other people's life or they're trying to um they're pushing their view uh, I don't agree with the view. I don't agree with how they're presenting it or pushing it. Um, so I find those to be pretty similar in a way. They both have gotten into cult, basically. The, the reason I was picking Scott Bayo as a second example is whereas with Kirk Cameron, I'll watch Growing Pains and I'll enjoy it still with a heightened reality of this guy's nuts. I'm disinterested in Charles in charge. That didn't happen before. Did that not happen before? Yeah. No, because I used to miss that the only season that was on Netflix or Hulu was the first season. Like I enjoyed the later seasons. I have fond memories of coming home and watching Charles in charge. I think there's a warmth when I hear the theme song. It's, it's one of those comfort shows where the rhythms of the show outweigh sure. the dialogue and then the familiarity of the cardboard sets and the different actors who are always playing different people is more powerful than maybe the lack of humor and then you know because they're just key moments that i'll always remember from that show because i watched it every day but i'm just disinterested now you know when i think of scott Bayo, it's not ooh charles in charge which again <laughs> was a weird thought to have throughout the 90s but i had it and a good portion of the 21st century i really enjoyed charles in charge <laughs> but now I just I don't want to spend time. Well, oh God, is this what the episode is? Just, Are we doing a Charles the, and the, episode? You just said that oh. so emphatically that you really enjoyed. Your, I'm, I want that on a T-shirt for Tim. That needs to be something that you own <laughs> <laughs> and not wear because yeah. I'm disinterested now. I guess that is, and I'm disinterested. I think because. Scott sure. Bayo is difficult to watch. He's not the he's not the perverse representation of all the hatred in the world, but he's a underlying current of it. If he's supporting Donald Trump, if he really thought that was a good idea, then he can't claim to not know of these other values that Donald Trump has. And I, I say values; they're not values. You know, you know what I'm saying. So to look at him now, it's just yeah. kind of like what a sad man, what a sad little grotesque of a man. Again, I, I can probably watch most things he's on. He was on. He was. He's in Jesse and the Rippers. We talked a while back about the Full House band. He, he really? played with Jesse and the Rippers wow. and sang with them. Yeah, it was in the show notes of the episode. Thanks for checking that out. But yes, he on the twenty fifth episode. If you go back and listen to our twenty fifth episode or look at the show notes, there's a clip of it. So there are things he's done that I could probably still watch. But I'm just sure. disinterested in this one piece that I would two years ago would have been willing to wear the T shirt that you mentioned of. So that's kind of slightly different where it's like his fall from grace doesn't add to the show. It just makes me no longer interested in the show or at least is part of that. The third fall from grace before we actually talk about Joss Whedon. And this this one is kind of hard. And it's something I think we had talked once before off off the show about talking about. Um, And I'm sure you know who I'm going to bring up. Bill Cosby, I think is a spoiler of so many childhoods, you know? And again, more prominently, the spoiler of some people's lives and trust. And and that is the grotesque bigger issue. We all know the the monster that it's been revealed that Bill Cosby is. And Bill Cosby, and this this fall from grace impacts me is because Bill Cosby was there from the very start of my childhood, you know? He was the type of talent that kind of found its way into every inch of my life. 
There was that picture pages segment he did on Captain Kangaroo, the Fat Albert cartoon, the fucking comedy albums, and then the Cosby Show. These were all things that wowed, won me over, and I loved. You know, I just and it just stuck with me and influenced me. Like those fucking comedy albums of his, I would I would lip sync to them. You know, I would do like uh, the the version. And I'm, I'm I'm I think I'm paraphrasing something Dennis Miller said about stand up comedy. I would do like air guitar, but to this these albums in my room. Yeah, I would just memorize the bits and I would go to bed listening to these tracks. You know, the 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 buck buck, the chicken heart, the the to my brother Russell bit. All these things were such a prominent part of my life i mean were you a, a bill cosby fan growing um, up? <clears throat> i wasn't uh, aware of his stand-up comedy when i was younger um really yeah no um i knew him from fat albert picture pages and then the cosby show of course um but mm-hmm. uh, and then as i got older i was i kind of was awakened to i spy right it was i spy Oh yeah, yeah, no, uh, and, and, for what it and, can do. Yeah, yeah, and then the the comedy uh, albums. Although <clears throat> I'll be honest, I I probably have only watched the one. Did he do one movie? Is the uh, Bill Cosby himself? Yeah, himself. That's really all that I've special? seen. I haven't, I haven't heard the, all. Of the that's all. Albums. But everyone saw that. That that's yes. the first comedy film yes. I ever saw. That that was a it was and we taped it off of a free cable weekend as we always talk about and I would just Ooh. watch it, yeah, mesmerized by it. And now this and he seemed like, well, <laughs> before the now this, like he always seemed like an icon. He seemed important. He seemed to represent, like the Cosby Show broke a lot of bounds. The Cosby Show gave voice and culture to the black experience that wasn't on TV and, and was able to do it on many levels. So it wasn't just, it's either Sanford and son or the Jeffersons. It's like, it was another view of life, a possibility of life and the reality of life. And, and it's just, it was impactive and he seemed culturally important. Yeah. And all of that is now shit, unwatchable, unexperienceable or inexperienceable shit to yeah. me it's d- disgusting like i can't turn on a cosby show episode i can't listen to one of those albums and boohoo that that's the worst someone suffers whatever but that i i had not experienced that with an icon before i had not experienced something where here's someone whose entertainment again surrounded me and impacted me and taught me things about storytelling timing facial tics expressions all of these things that i was taking from this person who i would have branded a genius Mm -hmm. and now he's not yeah you know he's not a comedian he's not an actor he's not a writer he's a monster and a liar and deluded and to look at him that's what i see the physical shape of Bill Cosby, the face, the the, the standing, the, the the few times I've seen stills from the Cosby Show since, it is a beast that I am yeah. looking at. It that's that's uh, again, like you're saying, it, it really is very minor this effect on us compared to um, the real people involved. But in the context of what this show is. There is something about that entertainment and this feeling that it's ruined. Yeah. It's tainted. It's destroyed. It's unwatchable now. Will it ever, I mean, just to to put this out there, will it ever be something you could go back and watch? Will there be future generations that didn't grow up with him and then have this uh, truth come out um, that might be able to look back on it? Are there things from our history that we have enjoyed that if we were to dig into the the reality of the situations of the people involved that we might learn some things? It's uh, that's a lot of questions that I'm throwing out there at once. Uh, let's yeah, one. and I think the answer is yes. I future generations sure because what you're talking about the Beatles. You, know, you listen to and love the music of the Beatles. The life of the Beatles as individuals was horrendous at times and abusive. John Lennon is not. Mm. the peace loving image we see or maybe he is but in addition to that he was abusive both mentally and physically to Yoko Ono to and I'm forgetting her name the woman he was married to before her I mean he was a he was another 
male monster to women. But that is something where there's a grotesqueness to that, but their music and their life stories impact me. Yeah. And I don't, and that's, I don't know if that's because I heard the music first. I don't know if it's because they've become legends or I don't know if it's because that's stuff I've read in a book. There isn't, there isn't the immediacy of seeing photos or reading a Twitter feed or having someone stand up. Like I've never heard Yoko Ono talk about it. I've never heard, and I'm sorry, I'm forgetting her name. Julia, maybe I, that might be Paul's. I'm, I don't know Beatles families very well, but mm-hmm. I've never heard the people who are directly impacted discuss it. I've heard secondhand stories and read it right. in books. So that might be why. So, you know, you're asking, well, future generations, yeah, future generations might rediscover Bill Cosby, but I don't know. I don't know how, how the current, what's going to happen to all that work. Like the Cosby show, I assume is still run on TV, right? Probably. I don't, I don't know that it is. I remember um, reading something about it being uh, pulled off of syndication, pulled off of certain uh, channels around, around the United States at the time that all this was really breaking. Um, and do you think it should have been? Do you think that's the right route to go? I think I, I'm. I think so. I don't. Who's it being fault, pulled off for? I I I don't fault the the uh, executives that are pulling it off. I think they're pulling it off. Honestly, bottom line, um, people are turned off by this situation. Are turned off by the man, and therefore won't be turning into the show. So you might as well pull it off. Mm-hmm. Um. And also, you know, it's like, well, let's pull it off before we start hearing the complaints from people. Or maybe they were hearing the complaints from people that, like, get this garbage off TV now. Um, but, yeah, I don't know that it is run in syndication all that much uh, right now. And I don't know if it's streaming anywhere either. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, have, I haven't <clears throat> checked. I, I feel like it – I think you're right. I think it was pulled from, like, Nick, Nick at Night or TV Land. Yeah. I feel like maybe I've seen it listed recently. I'm not sure. Scrolling through channels. Yeah, I did, so I, I don't have the actual facts in that. But, I mean, is that – and this is going to, I think, eventually build the bridge to talking about Joss Whedon, the topic that was going to open this. Does the individual's behavior – warrant that as a reaction because here's the thing with something like the Cosby show as disgusted as I am and with the title and everything he he's not the only one who worked on that show right there were writers there were other actors there was directors there was everyone who put that show together and made it a hit and do you deny them do you deny them a chance to show the world the work they did because the namesake, because this individual who's involved with it is the, the creature that he is. I, I think <clears throat> I think you do, even if it's temporarily, I think you do. Um, because it's it's not just that he was one in a cast of many. He was the Cosby of the Cosby show. <laughs> um, he was. So... <laughs> So, yeah, I think in this situation, plus <clears throat> what he's done is so horrible. I mean, we're we're dancing around it, but he drugged and raped women. I mean, that's yeah, we're it. Not, you're not dancing around it. That's I'm not going to dance around it. We're, we were dancing yeah. around it. But, I mean, that that's what he did. And that is a horrendous, horrific crime. It's a crime. Mm-hmm. Criminal activity. And so, yeah, I'm sorry. It' unfortunate that the others have to to have their work um, uh, kind of boxed up for a little while. But uh, I'm, I don't blame people for not wanting to watch it, and I don't blame um, programmers for not wanting to air it. But do you do you ban Rosemary's Baby? Do you, do you take that out of circulation? Do you take Imagine off the shelves? I mean, there are other artists out there who have done despicably i mean roman polanski raped an underage girl you know not at and mentally too and has and she has been tortured since that and he's fled the country and won't return to the country woody allen i mean here's someone here's the difficult one for me woody allen whose work i do love annie hall stardust memories um crimes and misdemeanors great movies He's great in them. A disgusting pervert 
whose relationship with his children is reason for him not to see his children and made a movie that points it out as a heroic thing. He made Manhattan, which his character in Manhattan is dating a girl who I think is in high school, if I'm remembering right. And it's never really questioned and it's never looked on as anything but romantic. And at the end of the movie, theirs is the romance that works. All the signs are there that this guy is sexually abusive to underage kids. But I still love his work. Do you pull his work from the shelves? Do you make it impossible for him to make a movie? You make a good point, Tim. Do I, though? Or is that the problem? Because Bill Cosby is not going to make another TV show. I don't think he's going to tour anymore. He had been. But now that it's in court, my, my, my hope is that he doesn't. Woody Allen, shouldn't he be held just as accountable? And yet, if I turn around right now and look at uh, my DVD shelves, I have four of his movies that I love sitting right there. I also have a copy of Two Weeks Notice that I've never actually watched, but I, I have it on the shelf. Do you think it makes a difference? And, I'm, and I'll be honest, I don't have all the information in front of me. Um, but I don't think Woody Allen was ever convicted. Is that correct? Do you know? And obviously we know Roman Polanski fled yeah. and was never convicted. Um, I mean, I don't think he was because I don't think there's ever been any legal. Well, what's right. the convictions with Bill Cosby right now? What are his convictions? And there isn't. I think, I think the Bill Cosby thing is, is immediate right now. And so I think that's viewed a little differently. Like it feels like the convictions might be imminent. Because but the Woody Allen thing has happened in my lifetime, happened since I watched his work. Sure. It doesn't impact me the same, and I'm not sure. And I'm wondering I, if that's that's what the difference is. And maybe if if Cosby is found innocent, maybe that changes our view. But right now we're in the midst of it. And I'm not saying Polanski is innocent. I'm not saying Woody Allen is innocent. I'm saying that society and the legal system haven't found them guilty. And maybe that somehow affects... It's like it gives us that, well, I can still enjoy this work because, I don't know, maybe it's not true. Maybe it didn't quite happen that way because it's all Are you going to come people's. around on him with all the stories and on, all the confessions on Bill that Cosby? are out there? Yeah. I think, I think because of when this is happening in my life and how I can make um, my, my own judgments as an adult, um, and I can do that still with the other guys, but as it was happening and as I learned about it, I uh, was younger, inexperienced, uh, less of the world. I think now with Cosby, um, I can't go back and, and be won back by Cosby um, because of, of when I've, how I'm experiencing this information now. Hmm. And maybe that's why there's still an opening for those other, other filmmakers. And, I mean, it's a little different for... Woody Allen, because he's in his films, but Polanski, you don't see acting, and, and Cosby is Cosby. He's in every episode. He's in. He's the one man on stage. Then what are we know? turning on? So is it so the fact that we don't see Roman Polanski, we can like the work he does because we're not physically seeing him. Possibly. How does that balance out? And I'm not saying I don't do it because I clearly I'm doing it with Woody Allen both in front and behind the camera. But how does the mind, why is that different? Roman Polanski is just as much a monster. And yeah. he's tortured and ruined. Maybe not just as much because I, I, I don't know. There's something despicable about the numbers and the drugs that, 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 that fall from the Bill Cosby case. But Roman yeah. Polanski ruined this girl's life. Yeah. You know, tortured her mentally and then and, and put her in a position to grow with this. And, and one society did too because society that supports Roman Polanski turns on her just the way that society that supports Woody Allen and there was a big contingence of is that the right word is that a word contingence is a word and I think you're using it correctly of 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 otherwise liberally cause-driven actors in Hollywood who come to Woody Allen's defense applaud him you know support him praise him want to work with him and maybe that's part of it too, Tim, um, because I'm not friends with Woody Allen. I've never hung out with the people that hang out with Woody Allen. 
And so there is some sense that maybe something else is going on that I'm not aware of. And maybe that feeds into it. Um, whereas nobody, nobody publicly anyway, nobody um, in the entertainment industry seems to be coming to Cosby's defense. He might have family members and he might have close friends, but I don't know them. Um, and I'm sort of losing the point I'm trying to make here with my rambling, but, but maybe that's part of it too. Yeah, I, I, think, I think maybe the reason we're, we're, we're I think it's a difficult... I, I don't think I know. Yeah. You know, it can't just be a matter of taste because I did enjoy the Cosby show. <clears throat> but, and again, Kirk Cameron and Scott Bayo, what disgusts me about them is mindsets and whatever, but I, I don't know if they've actively <laughs> yeah. done despicable acts. They've ruined aspects of people's lives and they have views that encroach on other people's rights. And that's gross. But it's not the action of Woody Allen, of Bill Cosby. And I think I, you, I, you, you talked about those those three versions. I think Joss Whedon is is maybe a fourth version. Oh, of, really? Because I, I guess getting we should, do you, you know, how do, do we yeah, talk do about put, him then? Where do you put Joss Whedon on, in those three? Because I, I kind of see him in the middle of a couple of them, I guess. Now, how so? What's, what's, what's your standing on, on Joss Whedon? With the idea that just to lay it out, because I don't know if we did... Um, during his time on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, Joss Whedon apparently had affairs with, you know, he cheated on his wife with, I'm not sure, staff or, or actors, someone involved with the show, made disgusting statements about how he was surrounded by needy little girls, how he felt like a god, he had this religious idea, and mentally tortured his wife, claiming, it's not my fault, I'm cheating on you, it's the patriarchy, it's society is making me do this did things to make her feel like he was the victim in the yeah. scenario where he was lying to her, hurting her and, 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 and treating her like she should be understanding of this. So that's, that's what he did. He mentally abused this person. Yeah. And, and so where do you see him falling? Do you see him falling in the Cosby camp? Well, I mean, you know, it's this? so immediate the, the the thing with that is I would say yes to yeah. the, to the extent, but I don't think I'm not going to watch his work. Y yeah. I, I, That's what's I'm, odd. I don't know if it's going to impact. Like I can rationalize. One, I'm not as big of a Buffy fan as I think you are, as my girlfriend is, fiance, excuse me, is, fiance. Um, you know, I think there, you know, I, I do wonder how this impacts the world. I think there's a lot of writers who worked on those shows who were saying the same thing, or I was saying the same thing about the Cosby show without necessarily feeling the same way. But like, there's a lot of people involved with Buffy. It's got its life of its own. It's a bigger story. Sure. The Avengers movies that he's directed, which I really do enjoy. I know those are 21st century things, but those kind of you. movies, I know who, who do I think I am living in the now of 2012? Right. But because, those movies I'll continue to enjoy. Sure. I I don't know why. You know, why why isn't his stuff tainted? Like I can look at his body of work and and He's now tainted. in retrospect challenge him. Well he is tainted. Yeah. Um I I see a fourth scenario here in that here you have uh an idol in Joss Whedon who presented himself very aggressively and publicly as something we're now realizing he is not at all. And uh, to and the drive of other people, this is where he is. One of the ways he's like Bill Cosby, like Kirk Cameron and Scott Bayo weren't heroes to people. They weren't breaking new ground. They were just doing entertaining right. work. Joss Whedon did inspire people both creatively, but also I think there were people who looked to him as, Oh, he gets, female characters and female representation in mediums yeah. that are too often the patriarchy, the thing that it's, he blamed are too often right. male dominated, male explained male fantasies. And here we have a male voice presenting that female side. Supposedly. And, Supposedly. and I think publicly spoken that way and people looked at it and people got Buffy is a life changing piece of work to a lot of people again it did not impact me that way the way he told stories did the way he used comic book tropes did but the storylines the character and the character arcs of Buffy and Willow 
um, to, to name the main characters I hear talked about the most, mean something to a lot of people. And a lot yeah. of those people are women who found in the show characters they can relate to and found in this creator of the show, one of the creative minds, the writer, someone who spoke for them who was male, who could speak for them or could speak characters that they could relate to. Not speak for them, but create characters they could relate to. And that made him this icon, this hero. He, he was breaking ground, you know? Yeah, and he took that. Like, I, you know, I don't think that was his intent or goal, but as people were putting him on that pedestal, he took that and used that um, to, to spread his own persona and get his name out there and build an audience. Um, he used that, it, in retrospect, it seems, to hide the reality of who he was. And to me, that's, I, I, I don't think there's an, been any criminal activity here, if I'm not mistaken. Again, I'm not uh, an expert I mean, there's nothing legally, really, yeah, because yeah. you can cheat on someone legally. But it's the, the mental abuse that he brought. It's the mental abuse... And, and for wife. me too, it's this Next facade wife. of of not being who you are representing yourself to be, and it's very it's a very specific thing with Josh Joss Whedon in that it's this feminist uh, girl power uh, persona, and you're doing the exact opposite with your own wife. And I mean, there are other writers who can write characters that people can relate to that the female characters that people can relate to and we know nothing of their personal life exactly if he wasn't put on this pedestal would these stories i guess these stories wouldn't this he could he would still have done the same despicable abusive actions but maybe it wouldn't be out there because it feels like it challenges a persona of his not so much his exactly. work but, there, there's, but there's countless things that you and i enjoy in entertainment music comic books television film countless things i'm sure where if we were to dig into the people involved in making them there's going to be dark you know uh, dark history is there well, yeah frank um, miller is the perfect example of that frank miller is a comic book writer and artist responsible for the dark knight returns uh some of the most amazing daredevil issues sin city if you like that and he is a raving fascist now his views on society and his his, his, is he uh, now or was he then as well? well? That's the thing. I don't know. I, that I don't know because he wasn't political with the, I guess Dark Knight Returns is kind of political, but he wasn't political with Daredevil. I think it's the kind of thing where it, it came out more, but mm. that doesn't impact my enjoyment of his old work. I don't follow anything new he does, but I also never look to him as anything more than his creative abilities. I'm disgusted by some of his stories now. That when I hear about what they're about, he did this. He did this book called All Star Batman about ten years ago. He did this um, one man takes on Al Qaeda, very just offensive and closed minded book. Um, I think it's called Holy Terror. Originally, it was going to be called Holy Terror Batman. It was going to be Batman taking on Al Qaeda, but DC said no, so he just redid the story. And those things disgust mm -hmm. me. But I don't spend a lot of time thinking about Frank Miller as anything but a joke now. And his old work, I do like, and, and I'm able to separate that because I never look to him as, I don't mean being, like being a comic book writer and artist is an amazing, talented thing, and that's what he is. I never looked at him as also a, a way of life. He, he broke a lot of yeah. ground with what he did, but he, he wasn't, he wasn't, he was giving me entertainment. He wasn't giving me right. hope. He wasn't giving me right. a basis of life. He wasn't showing me that things were possible. Yeah, and, and, uh... And we could talk more about Joss Whedon, too, with this example. Here's something I think about. I know I talk about my girls a lot on this mm -hmm. podcast. Um, I have no interest in my girls learning about uh, Fat Albert or The Cosby <laughs> Show. I may have a few years ago been like, hey, let's watch The Cosby Show. This is going to be great for the girls. Don't, don't have any intention to show them any of that work. I the reason being. will still well, because of what's been going on. Reason being okay. because he's he's presented himself and proved himself to be a monster. Um, I will still show them Buffy, and I'm mm -hmm. excited about when they reach the age when I can show them Buffy. So what's different um, there? 
and I and I'm I'm trying to figure that out. I think the difference there is sort of in a way, like you're talking about with Frank Miller, in that the the stories will speak for themselves, the entertainment will speak for itself, the characters will speak for themselves. They don't. What's great about my girls' experience with what I hope will be their experience with the series is that they won't know Joss Whedon. But they, if they're curious to research it, though, this is now going to be what comes up and when you research and that's, Joss Whedon. This is true. This is true. But I think um, I don't anticipate that they're going to jump out and, and, and look the guy up. Um, it so is it because be you don't see him again? Is that, you know, you're saying with Bill Cosby, you see him. He's right there. Is this because you don't see Joss Whedon within Buffy? That's a that's a huge part of it, absolutely, because he's not the voice, he's not the man on screen speaking these lines that turn out to be not who he is as a, a human being. Um, you know what I mean? Whereas Bill Cosby, being the the wholesome man on screen trying to sell his Jello, that's him on screen is not who he is uh, in real life. So do you think these reactions to Joss Whedon, this public outcry, rightfully so, I think, um, towards what was being said, do you think this is going to pass and subside? Like, do you think he's going to make the Batgirl movie that he's scheduled to make? I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I honestly hadn't thought about the Batgirl movie. I was excited before this story broke that he was involved in the Batgirl movie. Um, yes, and for yeah, it goes to show what kind of fanboy I am. I didn't put put uh, put all that together when this broke. Um, he might still make the Batgirl movie. He seems to be the kind of guy that, he, unless he's fired from it, I don't know that he would walk away from it. Um, is this a white patriarchy that that can happen, whereas Bill Cosby is pinpointed because he's not of the white patriarchy? I mean, is there a race aspect to this? Are we happy to see a black man fall who's preached so much about the problems of rap music and the problems of rich, uh, of um, Eddie Murphy? Like, there here's this this intellectual speaking black man who berated other aspects of black entertainment as if he was higher and mightier, and now we get to see him fall. Is that part of our reaction to this? It's not part of my reaction to it. I nope. am more um, – the thing that stands out for me with Bill Cosby is the criminality of it, mm-hmm. the drugs and everything else. Um, I, so so that stands out for me. I don't – I never – I hadn't thought about the race factor at all. I'll be honest. Well, like if Joss Whedon walks away from this – untouched maybe that's just how creative types work or maybe i don't i don't know like is there i don't obviously this is impacting him this is a big deal because of the stances he took and because of the stance stances people projected on him of being a feminist writer and, and and a proponent of feminist values and the question could even be can he still be that if this is how he treated someone and i don't know maybe he still i mean i think we are all monsters in some way I think a lot of times a good teacher might be a bad parent, you know, or or a a, a good customer service person might be rude on the other side of the counter. Like, I don't think we always balance out. Right. And is there space in, this is separate from what we were just talking about, but is there space? And I, I, I'm not sure. I don't have an answer yet, but maybe we can talk it through. Is there space in Joss Whedon's work? to still validate him as someone who can write a strong female character, as someone who can be a feminist, or is all of that now tainted because this is what he did to, to someone, to someone, by the way, who trusted him, who was committed to love him and who he claimed to love as well. People get divorced. Uh, a friend right. of mine, actually the, my friend who, who I'd asked to be on the show to talk about this, you know, she was saying that, you know, cheating isn't a feminist idea. It's just a, a dick move. And that's true. You know, but yeah. I think there's more to this than the cheating. He, I think he, he mentally, and I didn't get this at first. It took other people, it took reading things on like websites like the Mary Sue, where they would write about this and hearing about how Whedon-esque that, that website shut down. Mm-hmm. How, what he did 
to this one person and her and then what she wrote i think finally reading all of that like i have to say when this story first broke there was part of me was like oh another hollywood celebrity who's not high and mighty like to me at first it felt like knocking someone off a pedestal so i think i enjoyed that because i didn't know the scope of the story Mm -hmm. i was like "Ooh, joss whedon not a feminist well of course not i've watched dollhouse i know but then to, to hear more about it and to hear what happened and to hear what he did, it becomes a bigger deal. And it's not just like, cause I'm all, I do enjoy it when a celebrity falls, if they're cocky, you know, or I do enjoy it when a celebrity falls off a pedestal, but I don't know if he was ever cocky about <laughs> feminism. I think he was just, there's a disconnect there. So do I still buy it? And, I, and Buffy is still the same story somehow. You know, the same thing with, you know, we're talking about Woody Allen. His stories are still the stories. Somehow they don't pervade that. And again, maybe you're right. Maybe it's the criminality of it. But there's criminality. And I guess you said because he's not there. I was going to say there's the, 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 the um, Roman Polanski. There's a criminality factor to him. But right. I can still watch Rosemary's Baby, you know, and Chinatown. I can still watch those movies. I don't think I've watched anything else, to be honest, but that's, that has nothing to do with his treatment of people and more to do with just not seeing the films. I don't know. I don't know if this, the, the, this, the aspect of Joss Whedon, because he so represents something to the fandom that I think we're both parts of in some way. Like, maybe this doesn't echo outside of this. Like, I don't know if, if the Joss Whedon story hits the literary yeah. world or hits the political world. I don't know what other circles it is. I get most of my news you know, from the internet and scrolling through the AV club, cracked.com. Like I said, the Mary Sue, all these pop culture related websites where he is an often evoked, you know, God to these things. So of course it's impacting this world and the world will recover. You know, the world of TV recovered from Bill Cosby. Like these, you know, we're, we're, we're pliable people when it comes to our entertainment. I guess, I still don't know like where on the scope of these examples of how celebrities falling impact us. I mean, it doesn't make his, his work's not going to be more fascinating to me because of this. He's not a Kirk Cameron, you know, and I'm not disinterested in his work because I still like it. You know, I'll still watch Buffy episodes and I still watch the Avengers. So like you said, maybe he's his own fourth category, but it's kind of like the, I don't know. This is a big deal, a big story. And it's not the only story of, 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 of abuse out there of, of, of mental abuse and of, of male power playing. It's not the only example out there, but it is, I feel at least in the circles that I get comfort from fandom from, it is the biggest one there right now. Yeah. And it's the public one. I mean, there's, I'll be honest. I know, I personally know people that have been in, I wouldn't say the exact situation, but very, very similar situation that uh, Joss Whedon's wife, uh, I believe her name is Kai Cole. Okay. um, Has been in. uh, Right down to the fact that it's a television writer and producer. Um, And so it happens to those people you don't know. And with those names that on series that you might watch religiously, but you never notice who the the writer is or the producer because he's just not that Joss Whedon type who goes out there and and trades on that that name and uh, that fandom. But that alone, uh, that observation you're making makes the story important then, right? Yeah. Like, this is the story people will listen to. People give Woody Allen a pass. There's no, there's no social rehabilitation from the Woody Allen story for some reason. I don't think that changes the views of people or makes people more aware. Maybe it does, but I don't hear it of that. And maybe it's because he's older and of a different generation. So we write it off as a senile pervert, but potentially, I mean, this kind of story opens my eyes to, to an obviousness, I guess, of everyday life for people who aren't male, you know, mm-hmm. and it has yeah. that impact and for it to have that impact means talking about it and, and, and keeping it going as a discussion. And I don't know, is it still being discussed? We're, we're, two, we're probably two weeks behind at this point. It's probably two weeks ago by the time this airs that this hit, if not three weeks, actually. 
Yeah, I don't know that it is. It's it's uh, um, not in my feeds as much <laughs> as it was when it broke. You know, no, you know what I mean. Like it's not coming up again in any way. There's no sudden news that he has left the Batman film or Batgirl film. You know, there's no sudden. There's nothing more that's yet come of it. He hasn't responded as of right now, and we're recording this on recording it on August thirty first. It'll be airing September seventh, sixth, or seventh. As of this time, there's no. He hasn't made any public responses aside from one, the very safe one of "I don't want to hurt my family," which it's kind of too late. You did, but that sure. was so. He's not commenting on it. That's odd, right? For someone who's been so vocal in the past about everything, <laughs> from um, how Ultron was taken away from him to how uh, there, I mean, yeah. if you look at his Twitter feed, which I think it was his Twitter feed, you know, the day before this happening, he, he is attacking all sorts of Republicans very publicly for what they're doing. Good values to, to, to for him to project, to be attacking them, because that's right. And now he's silent. I mean, that's admission, right? That's acceptance sure. and admission if you're not going to fight it. Yeah. He's not going to fight this. This is this happened. Absolutely. Sort of. I think he's going to try and let it blow over, which unfortunately it probably will. You think? I think. I think if he. Or yeah, do you think I mean, this is it, different? And this is what I'm wondering because for the first time, the majority of his fan base, and this is the thing that maybe is different ultimately, the majority of his fan base is female. Maybe not for the Avengers movies, but for what he's most, I think, or best known for, Buffy. Buffy has a very strong female following, a following that is rightfully disgusted by this behavior. Yeah. That being the dominant mindset and and, and maybe being the more prominent gender, I don't think it's going to get brushed under because there's no... What is the benefit of it being brushed under for a fan base that this speaks right to this idea of the patriarchy of everyday life. And again, I, I must sound like just an idiot talking about this because again, I am male. I know, you yeah. know, I can't I, fully I, understand I, this and and I, I'm not just protecting myself, but I'm saying all these other examples, filmmakers, comedians, they have male supporters, probably male supporters. Some of who are going through similar situations that want to keep it hush hush, but also just some who just like the work. And they're in the dominant position, and 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 so, a lot of times stuff gets swept under the rug. <clears throat> People move along, but in this scenario, is this the first time? It's not, but it's the first time I'm noticing in pop culture where a pro- prominent and impactive piece of work by a male author that impacted a female following. That male author now has to deal with his following turning on him. Like, I don't know if there's been a lot of male fanboys coming to his defense or female fanboys coming to his defense. That was sexist. I'm sorry. Like, the comments haven't turned too much to shaming uh, his wife, which was the fear, at least in the ones that I've read. There's a lot mm. of comment threads where people are like, well, I've always known. Why are you surprised? I'm like, well, I was surprised. You know, I was yeah. honestly surprised, but maybe I, who, who, whatever. If that's the response, maybe this one doesn't get swept under the rug and makes it, and that makes it important. It makes it all the more sad because honestly, there weren't the reason, you know, the initial start of this to be able to talk about Joss Whedon is because in 19, you know, the, the, the stupid parameters of our show in 1997, there wasn't another show like Buffy on TV that did what it did. And with a strong right. female set of female characters that wasn't there. And its impact there was that huge. sitcom. There was that one sitcom that had a, a, a witch as like a housekeeper. But what? it wasn't the same thing. What was that? God, I wish I could remember the name of it. A witch as a housekeeper. Was yeah, it a wasn't play there... on the word witch? Maybe. Was it Bewitched? Oh, wait. It wasn't Bewitched. Oh, okay. But it was like a modernization Modern, okay. of Bewitched, I guess. That, yeah, but no, to the... The the reason Can't I can't wait say to not cut that out. Yeah, thanks. The re, the reason I'm saying I think it's going to get swept under the rug is because, as you hinted to before, this is uh, very impactful within this circle of Whedon fans um, within this world, and it, it'll stretch out a little bit beyond that, sure. But I think I think he's trying to 
lay low, let this happen, let everyone, you know, have their reaction to it. I think he's going to be okay losing this fan base. I think he is, he, I think he has enough talent and is able to go and do the next thing. He probably won't do, I, he probably won't do the Batgirl movie. (laughs) Um, but the next movie he does, it probably won't have a feminist edge to it, but it, it will be entertaining enough that people outside of this uh, Whedon world will be drawn to it and will watch it and will be attracted to it. Uh, I don't think – I would imagine there's loads of, of, of comic book fans and Avenger fans that didn't really know Joss Whedon or you know knew him but didn't follow his – previous work um and they'll now follow him to whatever maybe the next comic book thing he does is feminist or not storytelling this is only a step back in the long run this is only for a group of people who found inspiration from a writer they now have to watch him get off scot-free and that invalidates the work that he did I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it invalidates the work that he did. I think that work is still going to speak to people, um, and I. I don't know how. And again, like you're saying, I'm not the female in this. I'm. Yeah. I mean, I'm, neither am I. So. It's so it's hard to say how how others are reacting to it. Um, I know your fiance is a Buffy fan. Has she voiced anything? Yeah, she uh, said about think- how. Yes. I mean, the the first thing that I she sent me, it was either on Facebook or, or a tweet just where she was like, now I know how Woody Allen fans feel. And it took me a minute to be like, what is she talking about? Oh, and that's when I started mm. reading more about it. Um, you know, we've had a few conversations about it. And, you know, I, I, it doesn't sound like it will lose its effect on her. And I would hope not because it's a very, I mean, Buffy is a very important show to her and the comics are very important and, 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 and all that. But I mean, I, I don't, I, I can't speak for her. I'm going off of what, what I've witnessed, you know, and it was silly. I found myself almost, I found myself wanting to be the consoling, you know, like, well, you know, a bunch of people actually wrote it and that's like, fuck me. You know, that's not what she needs to hear. You know, she doesn't need to hear someone who one is not, <clears throat> as invested in the story, but two is just another guy coming to defense. Like she, if she's genuinely put off by this person who she had the benefit of meeting once and who brought joy to her life, if she's turned off by that, there's no reason to try to twist that around to put a spin yeah. on it. It's gross. And it doesn't diminish any, you know, the impact of anyone doing that. You're talking about other writers, I think on TV shows who, you know, have actively done similar things. And there are people in all walks of life who are awful to their partners. They're significant in others. This isn't to say any of it's excuse and this is worse. It's just, maybe this is so in the public eye that it's, it's a time to point something out. And also just to realize that this, this is, this does suck. I don't have a version of this really. I mean, the Bill Cosby thing is a little different because I mean, it's the closest, I guess of the things it is the closest because he did impact my life. And I am sorry. I can't listen to those goddamn comedy records anymore. Boo hoo. But you know, there is that impact, but that was in my childhood I've moved on a little bit. I mean, this is still recent things that people enjoy. So yeah, I don't, I, I, I think it's going to have a longer impact. I think it's going to resonate again. Does it resonate outside the circles? I don't know. Cause the comic book world is influential now and I don't know how to balance that. That's true. That's true. I, I, it doesn't sound like it's a national conversation right now. Some of that might no. be because politically, unfortunately it's being quelled everywhere it can by misogynistic administration not that that is a sentence is new but yeah i don't know it's and we're not going to reach a conclusion i don't know if the show is about reaching a conclusion but i I feel like it is important to 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 actually address or look at this head on because it is i think a big deal i mean and if it's how we look at this kind of behavior if we if this is how we look at male power plays in the world and start to become more aware of it then that's how we do it 
But yeah, I do think, again, I, I can watch the Avengers movies. It probably is going to be hard to watch Buffy again, at least initially. It's probably going to be odd because I'm having that thing when I see pictures of him, he looks like a creep. It's very unsettling to look at a picture of Joss Whedon now, and that was instantaneous. I've actually always thought that. Have you? Okay. Well, then this is consistent. Oh, yeah. Even as that ice cream <laughs> man on Veronica Mars. I think he played an ice cream man. Was he the ice cream man? I think he was. I believe, yeah, I believe he was. Yeah. All right. I mean, there's no conclusion to this, right? I don't know. I don't know what what the goal was. No, we just, uh, it was important enough to talk about. I think so. In some form, in some form. Um, And I I really, I look forward to next week's podcast (laughs) when we, you know, talk about something a little more cheerful. Yeah. Yeah, something more cheerful next week perhaps that'd be nice so we'll just smooth it over we'll just turn our heads and uh move on that's the show everyone that's that bring here some upbeat music probably um thank you for listening uh oh i hope you pick the most upbeat music right now like the the absolute like funnest song possible ladies and gentlemen coming up next susan vega's luca Uh, but thank you for listening. I, 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 it was a conversation, and we have many conversations. One a week here on 20th Century Popcast. So if you're curious, um, you can visit 20th Century, what is it, 20pop.com. That's the main website. Uh, we'll be retooling that in the next couple months. It's actually going to get a major redesign probably by November. It's still a couple months away because there's some stuff going on before then. But check it out. There's um, old episodes are there. The new episodes always uh, show up there on Thursdays, Thursday mornings. There's also an episode guide. You can check out uh, what can you do? check out past episodes. You can follow me, Tim, on Twitter at Subcultist. That's a good way to see what I'm up to. Or check me out on Instagram at Subcultist, where I try to post photos related to the episodes in question. God, what am I going to put up for this episode? We'll talk. We'll figure something All out. All right. Where can people find you, sir? <clears throat> um, I'm on Twitter as well. Not so active, but I'm there at rh canning um you can also check out a little web comic that i've been putting together um it's at um www.exaggeratedlife.wordpress.com um and i don't talk about joss whedon <laughs> although i probably eventually will reference buffy what's well, that that's maybe they're separate things hopefully they're separate things buffy is still a story yeah. and a character and if you found meaning in it that meaning is there right i hope so ah Ah, enough of this patriarchal well not enough of it it's everywhere i guess i can't say i was gonna say enough of this patriarchal bullshit and then the rest of the world would still exist so it's still there and we're part of it you and i are part of it a catchphrase